Well, good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here with you today. And uh, we just give you greetings in the name of Jesus. As Brother Albert already mentioned to you, I, I'm the president of World Missions and Evangelism. We're a mission agency with uh, ministry all over the world. Brother Lyndall Gray is one of our board of directors right there. You've got a board of director member of our organization right here in the congregation. You ought to give Brother Lyndall a big hand clap. He's, a, he's been a great help uh, to this ministry over the years. And um, we have seen in the last 12 years uh, almost 60,000 people come to the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior in Honduras, Central America, and many more beyond that, others beyond that. Uh, we have seen almost 16,000 groups and churches planted in the last 12 years. In Honduras and Guatemala, uh, the epicenter of it is Honduras, but uh, also Guatemala, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, uh, uh, way down south in South America, Argentina and Bolivia. And uh, God is doing a great work. It's a disciple-making movement. It's 28 generations deep. Some people ask me, what do you mean by generations? I mean a, a group or a church that plants a group. So the first church is the first generation. If this church was the first generation and you planted another church, that'd be the second generation. Well, in Central America, we're 28 generations deep of churches planting churches planting churches. And uh, over 55,000 people baptized in water in the last 12 years. Isn't that something to give God glory for? Praise God. And this is a partnering church with WME, and we appreciate you and appreciate Pastor Lynn and Sister Tammy and they're all of their family so much and uh, the opportunity to come in and uh, uh, share the word with you this Sunday. And as Brother Albert was mentioning, I do want you to pray about, especially for the country of Honduras. This has been a very hard year in Honduras. They've been very hard hit by the coronavirus. And they've also been hard hit by a nationwide lockdown that was very severe. We haven't had any kind of a lockdown here in the United States compared with that. I mean, not unless you were allowed out of your house one day every three weeks. And if you were out of your house on a day that wasn't your day, you'd be arrested and taken to jail unless you've experienced that, you really haven't experienced a lockdown. Because that's the way it is and that's the way it's been in Honduras. Churches have been shut, uh, uh, had, you know, they've done the things we've done. Pastors have been put in jail in Honduras. And uh, then God uh, gave us a new open door. Because the shutdown was so severe in Honduras, uh, hunger began to hit the villages and they began to run out of food. And God showed us to go and get permission by the government, and we did. We got Honduran government permission. Our leaders could not be out more than one day every three weeks, except they got permission to go pretty much any day they wanted to, as long as they're carrying food to the villages. And we started raising money for food to the villages, and so we've started bringing food. And uh, God has opened doors. God has done miracles. And I may, I probably, last time I was here, talked to you about that a little bit. And God is uh, uh, bringing people to Christ. People are being saved and baptized right now. And hungry villages are being fed by our leaders uh, in Honduras. Uh, and then uh, two weeks ago, they were hit by Hurricane Ada. And Hurricane Ada, it wasn't the wind, but it was the floods. And there's been much, much, much damage in Honduras. So they've been... Uh, their econ number one, number, you got to understand, to start off with, just to start off with, in 2019, when everything was wonderful in the world, in 2019, they were the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. And they were the number one country for violence and murder by statistic 
in the whole world. The number one murder rate in the world is in Honduras. For any country, the number one murder rate for any city in the whole world is San Pedro Sula, Honduras. And uh, so they were already a poor, violent uh, culture, but we were seeing a harvest. And then they got hit by COVID, and then they got hit by shutdown, and then they got hit by starvation <laughs> and by, by, by the running out of food. And two weeks ago, they got flooded with Hurricane Ada. And even some of our leaders have lost everything they have, some of our second-tier leaders. And uh, uh, we are, they're just trying to uh, basically come out of the, the flood right now. And we're assessing what's going on. And uh, we're going to be uh, sending funds down there. Uh, anything I receive today in the offering uh, here today uh, is going to go to that. I don't take, when I preach, I don't take personal offerings. WME pays me a salary, so when I preach, I don't take love offerings. Every, every time I preach out anywhere, the money goes into some facet of the ministry. Everything I receive today is going to uh, bring food to the people in the villages that are hungry in the midst of the, of the uh, hurricane. So uh, just uh, be in prayer because these people need help. And yet, and yet, in 2020, we've already planted over 1,000 churches and groups and already baptized 4,000 people this year in the midst of all that. Hallelujah in that country. So God's at work. And uh, I love that fact that we sang about he is the king. How many of you know he is the king? You do realize there hasn't been a recent election in heaven. Just, just so as you know. Uh, Jesus is king. Hallelujah. You know, there used to be a song that said, when they crown him king of kings. You know, did you ever hear that one? When they. Let me tell you something. So I'll be there. No, you won't be because he's already been crowned. You missed it. Read the book of Revelation. It doesn't say that when he gets back, we'll crown him. It says when he comes back, he is crowned with many crowns. Glory to God. It's too late for you to be to the coronation ceremony. The coronation ceremony happened when he sat down at the right hand of God the Father 2,000 years ago. Jesus is king. Glory to God. And that is the good news. And nothing changes that. And did you know not one single thing in 2020 has changed that? In fact, not one single thing in 2020 here or Honduras or anywhere else has had any impact on that whatsoever. But I'm going to tell you this. The kingship of Jesus has had impact on everything. He is king. And all you got to do is just keep your eyes on Jesus. Glory to God. That sermon is free. We won't even take an offering for that one. We'll just, we'll just let that one be free. Second of all, when you leave today, there's a box out there. My dad has got his brand new book out, and, this is, uh, and the reason we said one to every family, there could be enough for every person. If there is, that'd be fine, but I don't know how many I've got uh, in the box, so at least one per family or, you know, household. If you're alone, you take one, and, and then if it's one per family. This is called the Sermon of the Week, and this is one of his best. He's got 52 of sermons that he has preached. Uh, uh, how many of you uh, used to enjoy hearing my dad preach? You enjoy stuff he puts on Facebook. Here are 52 of his sermons that he selected and put in a book. It's the outline form, but they're in-depth outlines with all kinds of information. I mean, uh, the very first one is God has a plan for the rest of your life. How many of you would like to know what God's plan for the rest of your life is? Uh, but I mean stuff that you want to know about. Five world empires, Daniel's dream about the kingdom, signs of the end times. 
Anger, the emotion of this generation. Ain't that the truth? Uh, what a change Jesus makes. Walking in victory by walking in love. Forgiveness. How many of you need to learn how to walk into greater forgiveness in your life? It's all in here. The end time harvest, the blessings of the new covenant. That's just a few of them. 52 of his best sermons in one book. And we are offering it today for the very low, low price of zero, no money whatsoever. So it's free. And you take that today and be blessed by that book. And it's brand new, hot off the press. And it's going to be a blessing to you. In fact, 52 of them, you could take that. And in 2021, you could take a sermon a week and meditate on it every week is almost a devotional so anyway you be blessed with that today and uh, we're excited about that that's one of his best it's a bigger book normally a lot of his books are a little bitty this is a kind of a big substantial book here so this will be a blessing to you I want you to open your Bibles with me today to 1st Corinthians chapter 3 1st Corinthians chapter 3 and uh, for just a few minutes uh, I want to share with you today uh, a message that I just think is very important. In a way, it's kind of a teaching. Uh, it's kind of a teaching. Uh, so I don't know whether I'll teach or I'll preach or I'll preach. I had one guy in college that said he couldn't he couldn't preach, but he could speak. And sometimes he wouldn't he would almost preach, so he wouldn't go he wouldn't speak. He would preach. So I don't know whether I'll preach or teach or preach or just stand up here and babble. It doesn't matter, but it's going to be the word of God. All right. So uh, uh, strap in here right now, and we'll, we will, I know Brother, Brother Lynn takes off the plane and flies the plane and lands the plane. I don't know if he still does that or not. I know he used to. He, he doesn't do it that no more? Well, I'm going to take off the plane then. Hallelujah. That plane, I'm going to get on that plane and fly it right now. Let's take off. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. According to the grace of God, which has been given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, but another builds on it. Now let each one take heed how he builds on it. Now, if, I, if, if this was before COVID and we were sitting closer to somebody, and if I was T.D. Jakes, I'd say, touch somebody and tell them. But uh, don't touch somebody, but just kind of <laughs> wave in the wind and tell somebody. Just tell somebody, you be careful how you build. Go ahead and tell them. Be careful how you build. Go ahead. Right. You be careful now. For no one can lay another foundation than that which was laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, each one's work will be revealed. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. If anyone's work which he has built on the foundation endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, still going through the fire. I think the King James Version says, so as by far, yet so as through far. In other words, you'll go through the fire, but you will be saved. How many of you know uh, if your faith is in Jesus, you will be saved? And, but this is talking about our lives. And today, this is going to be a little different because really and truly what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask three questions. And I'm going to ask you some questions. And when I ask the questions, I'm going to give some answers. But I want you to be thinking about your life right now. I want you to be thinking about where your life stands right now. 
in relation to this. 2020 has been a rough year. It's still a rough year. And it's been a year of shaking. But I want to give you a good word about 2020, something to be happy about. That 2020 has given us the opportunity to reset some things. And it's giving you the opportunity to reassess some things in your life and reset some things in your life. How many of you have ever had a place time in your life where it would be nice to have a fresh start? How many of you know that you could look at 2020 and even the next months ahead from now, even 2021, I don't know how long this is going to go, but look at this as a time of resetting and of a fresh start. Look at it as, as, a, as a time when it's not all oh, that horrible, horrible year, that terrible year, all oh, the things of the year, the horrible year, but look at it like this. This is going to be a year where I can go back to my foundation and find out what my foundation is and build on my foundation and if in the shaking anything in me has been shaking and if anything in me has been crumbling that's okay because if it could be shaken it needed to be shaken. And so let's go back to the foundation how many of you know every now and then it's good to just say, are we building the right way? And, and now the context of this scripture is that in 1 Corinthians, just to put everything in context, Paul has been talking to the Corinthian church and the Corinthian church had problems and their problem was, their first problem that he dealt with was that they liked some preachers more than other preachers. And so they were arguing. One guy said, I'm of Paul. Somebody said, no, I'm of Apollos. And somebody said, no, I am Cephas, that's Peter. And somebody else said, no, I am of Christ. But we think that was the groups that just thought they were too spiritual to listen to anybody. You know, we don't know. But the point was, Paul said, you people are acting very carnal. You're acting like you're not even saved. He didn't say you weren't saved. He said you're acting like you weren't saved. You're just acting like normal people in the world as if you weren't even saved. And he said, let me explain something to you. In other words, what Paul really is saying here is get your eyes off men. And, and yes, get your eyes back on Jesus. And what he's saying is, look, I did one part. He said, I planted and Apollos watered, but it's neither me nor Apollos. It's God who gave the increase. Amen. And then he changed the metaphor from planting to building. And Paul says in verse 10 that we read, according to the grace of God, which has been given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, but another builds on it. Now let each one take heed how he builds on it. So in one sense, you can take everything I say today, and you, we could, if I, if I was preaching to a minister's convention today, a con if everybody in here was a preacher or a pastor, I could be preaching this and I could apply it this way. This, is, this applies to how you are building into other people's lives. How are you building the people of God? What are you building them on? How are you ministering? What is it you're putting into other people through your teaching, your preaching, and, that, and such as that? But by the way, here's the point. It applies not only that, but it applies to every Christian. Because God has called every Christian to be a disciple maker of other people. 
Because you may and may not be a pastor or a teacher or a leader or a five-fold minister in the body of Christ, but you are discipling and setting an example for somebody. If nobody else, you're doing it in your own family. Amen. So how are you building in your family? And then, then it applies to every individual. Because here's the bottom line. The truth of it is, what is in you ultimately doesn't come down to what somebody else built into you. What is in you comes down to what you built into yourself. Because every one of you has full choice on everything you listen to, read, study, meditate on, think on all day long. Nobody, how many of you know Pastor Lynn does not control your thinking? He doesn't turn your television set on for you at night. He don't turn on the radio for you. He don't put the books in your hand. So your pastor is building some things into your life, but the truth is you're building the majority of what's in your life. And you're choosing how you're building that. And the Bible says, let each one take heed how he builds. Because here's the reason it's important. Because 2020, one day... Ladies and gentlemen, you will look back at 2020 and you will say, boy, weren't those the good old days. Boy, I know that wasn't real popular. <laughs> that wasn't real popular, but the Bible says that the closer we get to the end, the devil is going to act up worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And it's not going to be easier and easier and easier to walk it out in this world. In the flesh. How many of you are with me today? Amen. How many of you know we need to know how to build on this foundation? I learned something this year. I wasn't ready for this year. God had given me a word for this year and it was an accurate word. And it has come to pass all through the years. Through the year and I'm not going to go through it all. I'm not going to go through that. But the Lord had given me a word for WME, for our ministry. And it has come to pass. Uh, and it was a good word, but it was a word we've had to fight through all year long. And uh, so, uh, but God has brought it to pass. I told you, we've seen over 4,000 people baptized this year. We've seen people come to the Lord. I don't know how many more. I, that was six months ago. And, and because of everything, the situation, we don't even have recent reports. But uh, we're going to get them at the end of the year. But my point is, it's going to be far more than that. So in one sense, how many of you know anytime you, buy, you baptize 4,000 people, you've, you've had a pretty good year. But uh, it's been through the midst of, I, I wasn't ready for this. And in March, when they said that the, uh, you know, when this lockdown and stuff was about to get started, and they said this stuff was starting to get loose in America, uh, the weekend before they shut the restaurants down, the Thursday before, they sh he shut them down on a Monday in March, but the Thursday before, I was having lunch with a different one of our board members uh, one day, and uh, when lunch was over, uh, he and I would meet together and, uh, uh, frequently and have lunch, and so sometimes he'd buy it, sometimes I'd buy it, and it was my day to buy lunch, and so he got on up and left, and I was, uh, you know, closing up my books and stuff and that we'd, I'd been talking about and getting ready to go up there and pay for lunch, and my phone rang, and it was my dad. Now, my parents live in the house with us. Dad's 85, mom's 84. And uh, 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 dad says, something's happened. He says, the, the house is being flooded right now. 
Well, there was a terrible downpour rain happening right then, and they didn't hear it, but upstairs, the old brittle pipes in our upstairs bathroom where my wife and I live burst, and water had been gushing for we don't know how long. But all we know is when mom got up in the living room, they were hearing the rain outside and they didn't realize the water they were hearing was inside the house. And by the time my mom got up and walked to her bathroom, her ceiling was collapsing. The upstairs was flooded and the ceiling downstairs was collapsing. And we couldn't figure out how to get the thing. And I called my son-in-law immediately. uh, Jacob works for me. He was closer. I was in Benton at a restaurant. I said, Jacob, get to the house quick and go in the garage and get the, get, find the water key and go out to the road and turn the water off and, and, and all that. By the time I got home, Jacob had the water turned off and we had thousands of dollars worth of damage. And ultimately, the ceilings downstairs had to be taken uh, down in uh, their bathroom, in our dining room, and in part of their bedroom, uh, and and mom and dad's bedroom. Upstairs, all of the flooring in the hall, the bedrooms uh, needed to be replaced. Uh, We uh, uh, had uh, the service master, Mark, came in and put his fans in there and dried us out in a couple of days and we had the insurance. We had, By the grace of God, we were able to see that insurance covered everything except when the plumber got there and looked at it, he said, the problem is this house has old, brittle pipes. They fixed that one pipe, but they said this could go anytime, any, we fix this one place. But all these pipes in this house went all the way up to the third floor. And they said, uh, and so we, we found a plumber. I told my wife, I said, she said, uh, well, we're going to get new flooring. She said, we've been wanting to put some new flooring down anyway. And we're going to do this and that and everything. I said, but let me tell you something. We got to fix the problem. Yes. You got to go behind the sheetrock and find what the real problem is. And, and until you get down, and we found, and we repiped that whole house. Insurance wouldn't pay for the, re- you know, insurance will pay for the cosmetics, not, they just won't pay anything on the real problem. <laughs> but look, how many of you know, I wasn't going to put beautiful new carpet and beautiful new wood flooring down or beautiful new anything down only to be destroyed again by the same foundational problem. You see, there's some people that they think they have a marriage problem or they think they have a financial problem or they think they have a this problem or a that problem, but the truth about it is you have a Jesus problem. Because the, in fact, I've done, uh, back when I was a pastor years ago, I remember I've done counseling sessions when people would come in and they would tell me all their problems, all their problems, all their problems, all their problems, and in the middle of talking to them, I would find out they weren't saved. And I had to tell them, you haven't come to Dr. Phil. If you need psychology, really good psychology that, that will not require you to repent, Dr. Phil, you can't get any better. I endorse it. Go for it. But I'm not a psychologist. I'm a preacher of the word of God. And I have only one answer to give anybody, and his name is Jesus. Say, where are you getting that in this scripture? He says, for no one can lay another foundation than that which was laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
So let's just start right there. Jesus is the foundation. Everybody say Jesus is the foundation. So let me ask the first question. I told you I was just going to ask you questions. Question number one. Are you on the right foundation? Are you on the right foundation? Because before we talk about putting in the new flooring or putting in the beautiful sheetrock or a new ceiling, if the pipes are going to bust again, you need to deal with the pipes. You got to go down to what's underneath it. If you're built on sand, it doesn't matter how beautiful you build on it. When it gets wet, it's going to collapse. So the first question in, in order to, to, to let, I mean, let's just go down to the bottom line. And the bottom line is going forward, if this is a reset year for us, it's an opportunity individually and as the people of God to assess who we are and where do we go from here. Let's take this scripture and let's really work on it here. And let's make sure, first of all, that we're on the foundation. Here's the question. Are you on the right foundation? And he says, nobody can lay another foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So my question is this. Are you really, is your life really built on that foundation? Somebody said, well, now listen, I've been in church all my life. I didn't ask you that. Somebody said, I've been baptized. I didn't ask you that. Somebody said, I'm a church member. I didn't ask you that. Somebody said, I'm a church leader. I didn't ask you that. Somebody said, I've been to seminary. I didn't ask you that. There's a lot of lost people that have graduated from seminaries. <laughs> I hate to tell you, it's true. Listen to them preach very long, you'll find out. They don't know Jesus. And then a lot of them do know Jesus. I'm not against seminary. I've been to seminary, believe it or not. I survived seminary. I need a t-shirt. I survived seminary. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm just telling you that uh, we got to find out what does it mean to have the foundation of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you that it means two things. And if you were going to take notes at all today, you ought to write this down. You really ought to. Uh, take just a minute and turn in your Bible to Matthew 28. This is going to just take a second because I'm going to teach some other things today. But Matthew 28, which is the Great Commission, and as a missionary organization leader, I always take you to Matthew 28, and I, I bet you that about every sermon, brother, every time ever, Brother Lynn's ever had me preach here, at some point I've, I've, made, I've brought the Great Commission in. That's what you get for bringing a missionary in. You know, that's just it. But there's something powerful here, and I want you to see it quickly. Matthew 28, verses, verse 16. Now this is when Jesus had been crucified and he had shed his blood for our salvation and he had been raised from the dead and he had started appearing to his disciples and he told his 11 disciples to go up to Galilee and that he was going to meet them there and so this is the resurrected Jesus Christ appearing to his disciples and this is what it says in verse 16 then the eleven disciples went away to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Everybody say worship. worship. Say it again. Say worship. worship. 
Say, worship Jesus. Now, that's your number one key. Let's keep going. It says, but some doubted. That doesn't mean they didn't believe he was resurrected. The word doubted in Greek there doesn't, is a different word from unbelief. It just means they couldn't hardly believe it. It means they, they were looking at him glorified and they were still having trouble wrapping their minds around it. Then Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Did I mention he's already been crowned king? It was 2,000 years ago that 2,000 years ago Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Hallelujah. Uh, define king a different way than that. All authority. Guess how much authority anything and anybody else has? Zero. So somebody said, well, I thought I had authority as a believer. You do. The amount that he delegates to you. But all authority is his in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. Everybody say, obey. obey. Say, obey again. Obey. Now say this, obey Jesus. Obey all things I, that's Jesus, I, Jesus, have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I highlighted two words for you in that reading. I highlighted worship, and I highlighted obey. And here's what it means to have Jesus as the foundation of your life. He is the one you worship, and he is the one you obey. Now, this is so simple that it's hard to believe that thousands of religious Christians hadn't got this. But I can sum up pretty much everything the New Testament says, pretty much, in worship Jesus, obey Jesus. You know, Jesus said you could sum up the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, in love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. I believe you can sum up the New Testament in worship Jesus, obey Jesus. And it also leads you to love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself because that's something he said. That means all the red letters are in effect for you and for me. That means that all the writings of the apostles in the New Testament Romans and 1 Corinthians, everything you read in the New Testament. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that the things that he wrote as an apostle were the commands of Jesus. In other words, the Spirit of God was... Jesus gave certain commands while he was in the flesh. Those are in your red letters. Then he gave the rest of his commands through his apostles as they wrote the New Testament. So when you read the red letters and the epistles of the apostles, you are reading the commands of Jesus. You are to worship Jesus and you are to obey his commands. That is a life on a foundation. Because some people try to build their life on a half foundation. I've run into people that have a half foundation of Jesus. They, they want part of Jesus. In fact, they worship him 
Here's the point. They say, Jesus, you're my Savior. You're my Lord. Jesus, I, can, I, I repent of my sins. I want you to come into my life. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And I worship you as God. And I worship you as God. You are my God. I worship you. I worship you. That's good. But then, after that, they walk out and they say, I've been saved because I, I acknowledge him as God. I acknowledge him as my Savior. But then they walk out and they never pay any attention to what he said to do in their life. And through disobedience in their life to his word, their lives are built on not the solid foundation it ought to be. They take part of Jesus. They say, I want you as my Savior, but not as my Lord. Has anybody ever heard that? But how many of you understand you can't take half of Jesus? He doesn't come in halves. And so you can't, you can't just say, Lord, I want you to forgive my sins, but I don't care what your word says and I'm going to go and do anything I want to do with my life. If that's where you're at, you're not, you're, you, you're not on the right foundation. You're, 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 you found the right foundation. You found Jesus, but you're not really building your life on him. Until you build your life on obedience to Jesus. Am I making sense to you this morning? See, I know this isn't a shout hallelujah sermon. This is a, I'm not here to get, I've kind of got over the shout hallelujahs. I, you know what, I'm almost 60 years old. I know I don't look it. But uh, I, I ain't got time to mess around anymore. I mean, we just got to tell the truth. If I ain't going to tell the truth, I just might as well go home and shut up. And the truth is that your life has to be built on Jesus and it has to be built on not only worship of him. In other words, you receive him as God. He is God in the flesh. See, the Bible says this is how you get saved. You confess that Jesus is Lord. That is to say, you are confessing that Jesus is Yahweh God in the flesh. And, and through that confession and your faith in his death on the cross and resurrection, you are saved. Therefore, you confess you are Yahweh God. That is the essence of worship. You're worshiping him as God. But really, when you walk out on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, is he the Lord of your life? Do you actually read the New Testament and every time you read it say, I'm going to do that? Because that's the foundation of obedience. Um, one other scripture quickly, and I'm going to move on. Turn to Matthew chapter 6 real quick. I just want to point this out to you. Matthew chapter uh, 7, excuse me. Matthew chapter 7. Putting you in the wrong chapter. Matthew 7, the very end of it. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to what Jesus said. Listen carefully now. Whoever here, this is verse 24. Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and the beat on the house and it did not fall for it was founded on a rock. And everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be likened to a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. See, he says, if you read that carefully, somebody said, what is the rock that you build your life on? Somebody said, Jesus. 
That's right, but that's not what he said right there. He says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them is like someone who builds his house on the rock. And he says, the sand is the one who hears the sayings. The sand heard the sayings, but did not do them. See, that's why it's not only worship, but it's worship and obey Jesus. The foundation is worship him as your God. Receive him as your Savior. Worship him as your God. And follow him as your Lord. Amen. Somebody said, well, I'm not perfect. I can't. What if I mess up? He's your Savior. He forgives you. But in other words, he's saying, take in his word and obey it. Because every time you hear, and make a, hear his word and make a choice to obey it, every time you are establishing yourself on a foundation that will not fall. Amen. 2020, 2021, 2022, or whatever it brings, whatever the future holds. Now back to our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now the foundation is Jesus. And obedience to him. The foundation is Jesus. But here's the second question. How are you building on this foundation? If you are on the foundation of Jesus Christ, you're saved and you know you're saved. What are you doing to build on the foundation? Now listen to what he says in verse 12. Let's read this. Let's just read the rest of it. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold and silver and precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, each one's work will be revealed. Now, he's talking about our works. Now, we're not saved by our works. We're saved by his work. Amen. We're saved by his blood. Amen. And he goes on to say here at the end, regardless of how you build, if you're on the, if you're on the foundation... You will be saved. Everybody on the foundation will be saved. That's the good news. Your salvation is not dependent on how you build. But your success in your Christian life is dependent on how you build. Your salvation is dependent on Jesus Christ and his blood. That's the foundation. That's the foundation. But be careful how you build. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, each one's work will be revealed for the day, we'll declare it. A day is coming. A day is coming. And I'm going to talk about that day in a minute. The day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each has done. If anyone's work which he has built on the foundation endures, he will receive a reward. Amen. You're not only saved, you're not only in heaven, you'll be given a reward in heaven. Somebody said, well, I don't care whether I get any rewards in heaven or not as long as I'm there. I know, but when you get there, those rewards are going to be important. I don't understand it all. And you don't either, because you ain't there yet either. But I know one thing. I want the reward. I want the reward. I want to be saved, but I also want the reward. And 
There's nothing wrong with working for a reward because he's promised a reward if we do the right thing. And he says each one will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned or burned up, he will suffer loss. That means he won't receive the reward. But he himself will be saved, still going through the fire. So again, how many of you can understand this passage of scripture right here? So he is saying to us that the foundation is Jesus Christ who we worship and have as the Lord of our life. And if that is truly the foundation of your life, if Jesus Christ, you have truly made Jesus the Lord of your life and you truly worship him as God, you are saved. Hallelujah. That's good news. And how many of you know that's better than being lost on any day? I mean, the cheapest seat in heaven is better than the most expensive one in hell. But he says this. He wants your life in this world to be solid. He wants you to have a solid life in this world. He doesn't want you to be shaken. He doesn't want your house to crumble. He doesn't want a day of fire to burn it up. You see, how are you building on this foundation? There are two possible ways. You can, burn, you can build with permanent material or you can build with combustible material. He says you can build with gold and silver and precious stones or you can build with wood and hay and stubble. Now how many of you know there's a difference between gold, silver and precious stone and wood, hay and stubble? Gold, silver, and precious stone can go to the fire and after they've been in the fire, they'll come out of the fire and they'll even be purified by the fire. But the wood, it'll burn up. And the hay and the stubble, it'll burn up fast. How many of you have ever seen somebody go down quick? Have you, ever, have you ever seen somebody just make a quick descent in their life? Just, uh, and I'm talking about where, in other words, just like one day they're walking with God, it seems like, it seems like they're walking with God, it seems like, oh, they're saved, they're testifying, and the next week is, I don't even believe in God. What happened there? I'm mad at everybody. I'm mad at the church. I'm not going to have nothing to do with nobody. I'm not, and, and, and what's going on there? Let me tell you something. There's two kinds of fire. There's the fire of the day of judgment. And there's the fire of the day that we're in. You see, some people are going through the fire right now. 2020 has been a kind of fire. Hadn't it? I want to tell you, 2020 hadn't made nobody what they are. It's just revealed us for what we are. The trial doesn't make you what you are. The trial shows you what you are. The fire doesn't create gold. It reveals gold. It doesn't create, it doesn't make you suddenly wood, hay, and stubble. It just reveals if that's what you were built out of. It doesn't, it doesn't create the wood, the hay, the stubble, or the gold, the silver, or the precious stone. The fire doesn't do that. The fire just reveals. There's two kinds of fire. Quickly in your Bible, and I know this is, this is more like a Bible study, maybe a Sunday school lesson, but go to these scriptures with me. I want to show you something. I want you to walk away with something today. Go to 1 Peter uh, chapter uh, uh, 4. 
First Peter in your Bible, chapter four. First Peter, chapter four, verses twelve and thirteen. First Peter, chapter four, verses twelve and thirteen. Listen to the word of God, beloved. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal or trial that is taking place among you to test you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings so that you may rejoice and be glad also in the revelation of his glory. So he says that the trials of our life are like a fire. Turn back a few pages to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Listen to verse 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now, if for a little while, you have had to suffer various trials, in order that the genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tried by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the trials we go through are fires that test the genuineness of our faith. It's gonna, it tests what we've been building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Now listen, I want to tell you something. I hate trials. I hate them. I ain't tough. I don't like pain. I don't like, I, I'm not brave. I'm not looking for it. Every now and then I'll hear some, I've heard preachers get up and say, you know, I'm a man of God and I walk in the power and faith and I just, devil, come on and get, I'm like, whoa, what is the matter with you, man? I ain't bragging about nothing but Jesus. I don't know about you, but I hide in the rock that is bigger than me. I plead the blood of Jesus on a daily basis. I mean every day. I ain't running around. Listen, I'm obeying Jesus. We're going forward. We're moving forward. We're going to start a, Bible, a, a missionary training center in Argentina in 2021 and train leaders to go to unreached tribes. We're starting that in March. We're moving forward. Hallelujah. We're going to go forward. We're going to, keep, we're going to feed the hungry. We're going to get the food to the hurricane relief. I'm going to, we're going to do whatever it takes to finish the Great Commission. I'm not hiding, but I'm not running around bragging. I'm not running around bragging and saying, devil, come get me. You got to be, I don't say devil, come. I say, devil, get away from me in Jesus' name. Bless God. I'm not inviting trials. I don't want trials. But guess what? I woke up and it was 2020 for me just like it was for you. And we've all been through it. And we don't know what the world, and no matter what happens, even when trials come, it is just a fire that reveals what's really there. This is why it is important, hear me now, that you build with the right material. Because it is not your salvation which is at stake. The Bible said it wasn't. Your salvation is in Jesus Christ. If you're on the foundation, you're saved. But what you build with is how you're going to make it through this life. I want to make it. 
And if I have a choice of whether I am building with gold and silver and precious stone or wood and hay and stubble, and I know that the outcome of that is how I'm going to make it through the trials of this life, that's incentive enough for me to go for the gold, the silver, and the precious stone. Hallelujah. How many of you know this is good teaching? This is important teaching. You need to take this and digest this and walk with this. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, the Bible says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive his recompense in the body according to what he has done, whether it was good or bad. Here he tells us that there is a judgment that we will be uh, before Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. This is not a judgment as to whether or not you are saved. Only Christians are at the judgment seat of Christ. The lost people are not judged until the very end, the great white throne judgment, and everyone who's not found written in the Lamb's book of life will be thrown into the lake of fire. But the judgment seat of Christ is a judgment after Jesus comes, however you process your theology on that, Jesus is coming, Okay, you can figure it out however you want to theologize that related to the tribulation or whatever. I'm not here to teach on that. What I am here to teach is this. When you do see Jesus, you will stand before something called the judgment seat of Christ. Not to determine if you're saved, because the fact that you're there means you're saved. But the judgment seat of Christ is that moment where there is some sort of a fire and your works are examined and if you had gold, silver, and precious stone, it is at that point that you will be given a reward and that reward will be yours eternally. And it's also the place where if someone, even though they're saved and they were on the right foundation, for whatever reason, they built their life on something other than gold, silver, precious stone. They built their life on wood, hay, and stubble. That will burn up there at that judgment and they will lose a reward. Now, this is what the Bible teaches. And I know, you know, everybody says, you know, all you got to do is just say these words and go to heaven and everybody's equal. The Bible doesn't teach that everybody's equal in heaven. It teaches that everybody's saved in heaven. But your faithfulness on earth will determine your eternal rewards. And so don't think that, well, I, at least I'm saved, so I'll just go do anything. I'll be unfaithful if I want to. And I, No. You, one day you will wish you had built your life on gold, silver, and precious stone. How many of you are with me today? Well, that leaves us with one last question. Question number one was, are you on the right foundation? It's Jesus and obedience to him. Number two, are you building on this foundation? How are you building? Are you building with permanent or combustible? Question number three, what is the permanent material? I mean, let's get practical here. What is gold, silver, and precious stone. Oh, you're preaching my sermon for me here. Hallelujah. I got a sharp group here today. Hallelujah. He hadn't even seen my notes. Glory to God. What is gold and silver and precious stone? Could I take you to three scriptures? Go to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Just something to show you this. And my brother, you are hitting it right on. Psalm 19. The whole psalm is about how God communicates with us. 
The first part of the psalm is saying that God communicates through us all, or t- all the time, just around us, just nature. The heavens declare the glory of God. But even though the heavens declare the glory of God, they don't give us enough information. And so the Bible says in verse 7, Psalm 19, 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Every one of those words are words that refer to the Word of God. Every one of those are descriptions of the Word of God. Every one of those words are used in Psalm 119, the longest psalm in the Bible, to describe the Word of God. Every single one of those words. Even the fear of the Lord in this context means the Word of God. All of those refer to the Word of God. And listen to the next verse. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Turn back a few chapters to Psalm 12. Go back to Psalm number 12. Listen to this word. Psalm 12, verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words. They are silver tried in an earthen furnace refined seven times. The words of the Lord are silver burnt in a fire refined seven times. How many of you are starting to get the picture? on what gold, silver, and precious stone is. In Proverbs, and these verses are saying that it's even more valuable, but just as an example, Proverbs 8 and verse uh, 10 and 11. Receive my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than rubies. There's your precious stone. Wisdom, he means the wisdom in his word. Wisdom is better than rubies. And all the things that may be desired are not compared to them. Fasten your seatbelt, we're getting ready to land the plane. God's word, God's written word, the Bible, is the gold, the silver, and the precious stone. The gold, the silver, and the precious stone that you must build your life on. If you build your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ and him crucified, raised from the dead, worship Jesus, you're saved. You're on the right foundation. You're on the right foundation. You will be saved. You will not go to hell. You will be saved. If you're built on the foundation, if there's nothing but the foundation, the thief on the cross had not a moment, he had not a second to build anything. Hanging on the cross as a thief, 
destined for hell, nothing but a life of sin. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. And that day he was with Jesus in paradise, built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. All you need to get to heaven is the foundation. Somebody said, the foundation isn't enough. The foundation will get you to heaven for eternity. But unless you're like the thief on the cross who got saved and was dead within an hour, if, the, if you're not going to die five minutes after getting saved, if you're going to live on earth any length of time at all, then you need to be building on that foundation. And you don't need your life to be crumbling. You don't need to make wrong decisions in your life in your family, in your job. You don't need to make wrong decisions about how you serve God in your ministry, in your calling, in your gifting. You don't need to be going off left and right, left and right, and be thrown left and right by every wind that blows through. How many of you know that? If God has left you here, he's left you here to build something into your life, into your family's life, and into the life of the people you come into contact with. He's left you here to build something. You're here to build. And the gold and the silver and the precious stone are, I declare to you, the word of God, the teachings of this. Your one thing to do in life is read this, study this, learn this, hear it, understand it, and obey it. Build your life completely on it. And don't build your life on the other stuff. The wood, the hay, the stubble. Not man's ideas. Not even, listen, not even spiritual things that are, not even spiritual gifts, but on his word. This is the word of God. Do not worry. Do not be shaken to the left or to the right what anyone says or prophesies. Do you hear me? Do not be moved by these things. Prophecy is given to edify, exhort, and comfort. Allow it to edify, exhort, and comfort you. But it is not for you to build your hope on or build your life on. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Nothing else that man says, not man's opinions, not even what man says God told him to say. Nothing. Every other gift, all the gifts of the Spirit are simply human beings reporting what they believe they're hearing from the Holy Spirit. And we are to judge those by the Word of God. But we do not build our life on those. And we do not build our faith on those. We be, if you do... Certain fires will burn it up. You must hear this now. Because we're living in a day right now where people are all tore up about prophecies and whether they're going to be fulfilled or not. Time will tell whether they're fulfilled. Relax. Jesus is king. But if you put your faith and if you let your faith be shaken, 
on anything other than the word of God, and it'll not be shaken, then you're building your life on wood, hay, and stubble. The words of man are wood, hay, and stubble. And every now and then a little chunk of gold comes through. But this is all gold, all silver, all precious stone, inerrant, infallible, the very word of God. Not a word from God that needs to be judged because as it comes through the human vessel, the human vessel can mess up some of the understanding of it, can mess up the timing, can mess up the content. Even, I'm not talking about false prophets. I'm talking about even true prophets can misunderstand. I've had dreams. I've had visions that I didn't understand. I've had visions that I didn't understand. I have. Years ago, when our church at Christian Fellowship, and before I was even the pastor, I was on staff, but I was preaching on Sunday night. And I was hearing from God, and God was moving supernaturally. And I felt like God told me one night, somebody's going to be in the room, and somebody's going to be... Uh, saved or such and such. Something was going to happen. And I prayed about it and I felt the Lord said it's a woman. And she's going to be wearing a certain color dress. I thought I had a word of knowledge. This is 25, this is almost 30 years ago. Not 25 years, this is 30 years ago. I went to the service that night looking for a woman in that dress that I was going to call out. wasn't a single woman in that building with that color dress on. But somebody got blessed that night. I preached the word and I prayed for somebody and I think, if I'm remembering correctly, what the Lord told me was going to happen did happen except it wasn't to a person wearing that dress and I scratched that color dress and I scratched my head and the Lord showed me, when you get a word, your own mind can process it the wrong way a little bit. You can do three things with prophecy, brothers and sisters. You can hit it, you can miss it, and you can color it. And I got up a couple of weeks later and I confessed it to the church. I don't know if any of you people that were there years ago remember that. But on a Sunday night a couple of weeks later, I got up and I preached a sermon and the title of the sermon was Hit, Miss, or Color. Now that's how human prophecy works in our day because God is not inerrantly inspiring word anymore the way he did here. He is still speaking prophetically. All the gifts of the Spirit are in operation. But this and this alone is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. I just needed to say that, and I hope that gets broadcast out today because people need to hear that. This and this alone is the word of the Lord. Do not build your life on anything but gold, silver, and precious stone. How many of you here accept the word today? Hallelujah. And I want to tell you something. You'll be glad you did. And it's going to be more important. What, what, where did I start? Let me, let me land the plane where I took it off. We come back to the same airport. This is a reset year for us. It's a year for us to check our foundation. It's a year to make sure the pipes behind the walls aren't brittle and ready to bust. For us in the natural. <laughs> 
but in the spiritual. It's a year for us to say, am I really on the foundation of Jesus Christ or am I messing around here? Let's make sure we know Jesus, number one. And then number two, it's a year for us to, when all else fails, when all other expectations fail, when things don't go the way you want them to go, when you're passing through the fire, I want to tell you something. This will pass through with you. And when it comes out on the other side, there will not even be the smell of smoke. Hallelujah. You will come out on the other side unscathed with the building that you have built unfazed. You will come out on the other side. You will come out on the other side of the trial on the right foundation, but you will also come out with that which lasts because this will last. Hallelujah. Glory to God. How many of you receive it today? Let's all stand to our feet right now and give the Lord praise, and I'm going to lead us in prayer here right now. Thank you, Jesus.